0: Laboratory in the basement of his home. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today we have a tremendous guest, Brian Keating. Now, you may not have heard of Brian Keating before if you're not super geeky like I am. But I came across Brian Keating and his work on James Alster's podcast, who, uh, as you know, if you listen to the show all the time, we had James on uh, a few episodes ago, and it was a tremendous conversation. And James is a tremendous guy. And, um, and I heard Brian on his show, and they're doing this series about uh, the origin of the universe. Uh, you know, really, so Brian is the Chancellor's Distinguished Professor of Physics. At the Center for Astrophysics and Space Science and the Department of Physics at the University of California, of San Diego. So Brian is completely legit. He wrote a book called "Losing the Nobel Prize." He has done all kinds of incredible work um, on the universe, um, everything from you know he's a, he's a cosmologist. I mean, he's dude is smarter than probably all of us listening to this podcast together. Um, uh, Brian is that smart, and I heard him, and he's having these really awesome conversations. But it wasn't just about cosmology because you, you got to be into that stuff to listen to it. I mean, I'm into it. I I love it. But, um, you know, what I was really enamored by was was the way that Brian formulates thoughts, thinks about things like truth. And, you know, we go a lot of places in this episode. It's, it's a very eclectic episode in terms of the topics that we address. But uh, Brian is just someone who I really wanted to put you guys I wanted to put him into your ecosystem, and if you're into this stuff, if you if you like the nerdy stuff, um, Brian is a great guy to follow because he's like one of the he's like a like a cool nerd, right? Like he's super interesting, super fun. He makes the topics digestible, but at the same time, at any given moment, he can drop down into the ones and zeros of cosmology, and uh, he also has a tremendous podcast. Um, he also has a tremendous podcast called Into the Impossible where he interviews like Nobel Prize winners and and, and just people doing and thinking about things that will absolutely bend your brain. So uh, it is a great pleasure to bring uh, another show kind of outside the industry to you because I think this stuff is really fun and it it helps us, you know, and and what's great about a lot of these guests that aren't in the insurance industry is they try very hard to pull back some of the concepts to what we do every day and I think that cross-pollination is important. Um, So it's, I think you're going to like this one. But before we get there, I want to give a big shout out to my man Mick Hunt at Premier Strategy Box. Premier Strategy Box is a no-brainer solution. I haven't had anyone who I've referred over uh, to Mick, uh, like you know, like back channel, like on the DMs, uh, text, and Facebook Messenger or whatever, who hasn't worked with him. Like he just what they're doing—the the the producer training, the producer coaching, the producer managing—all um, the different things that they're doing at Premier Strategy Box are game changers for agencies because we all have strengths and weaknesses. I have. I would like to believe a few tremendous strengths. I also have an incredible number of weaknesses and having someone like Mick and his team who can come in and not just be doers but be but be managers, be, be uh, people who are making sure that things are getting done and holding your team accountable and, and coaching them at the same time is invaluable and uh, it's just a great honor. Mick's, Mick's become a very good friend, I've talked about him in the past and uh, just honored that Mick uh, wanted to be a sponsor of this show. And uh, I always love when it's his turn in the rotation for the reads because I love giving shout outs to Premier Strategy Box. So if you want to know more about Premier Strategy Box, go to, well, first catch up with Mick on any of the socials and then go to mystrategybox.com. That's mystrategybox.com. Mystrategybox.com. All right, on to Brian.
1: Is this going to be video only or I mean, the audio. yeah, I only produce the audio. <laughs> okay, cool. That's fine. Cause I otherwise did put on a, a three piece suit and tie. Yeah. But well, no, you, you look great either way, man. So don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's been tough with the COVID 90 pounds, yeah. uh, but I'm doing really? my best. <laughs> so uh, where are you? Are you in LA or? No, I, uh,
0: I'm in upstate New York. Oh, okay. Which part? Albany. Well, just outside okay. of
1: Albany, but yeah. Okay, I was born on uh, in Long Island. Yep. So uh, yeah, so I'm a, I'm an intimately familiar New Yorker, and I lived uh, I lived more kind of in Westchester County after that, mostly. Um, Which
0: for me is downstate, but for you, know. A Long Islander, would be upstate
1: exactly and people talk about it they're like uh putnam uh is uh putnam is is, is the border of upstate you know i'm like uh, i don't know if i believe that <laughs>
0: yeah it is funny when people people whenever i tell someone you know i'm from new york they just immediately assume the city
1: and yeah then, exactly
0: and, and you're because because you know long islanders you can hear the accents you're like ah maybe he's from long island maybe but as an upstate exactly. New Yorker, you know, I could be from anywhere. I have like the most-
1: boring. It's a different state. Right? Yeah. It's basically, it's like a yeah. different state, different values, different everything. Everything is uh, different. Cool. So yeah, so I got until 10, 10 before the hour. Perfect. Your time. And then I got to go pick up some of the kids. So No doubt. Yeah. No doubt. So, and and uh, your friends with James, I don't know if I remember right. yeah.
0: Well, yeah, he- um he I just recorded his episode actually comes out on Thursday I recorded with him last week Uh um, oh, awesome yeah yeah so that was that was really cool and um yeah you know, so this this show just so you know this we do uh this is probably well I'm not I'm, this isn't going to sound humble though I it is what it is <laughs> it's okay we're I am in a constant competition with a buddy of mine to who has the biggest podcast in the insurance industry so uh-huh. we you know up and down some of the Biggest carriers in the in the in the country, um, all the way down to, you know, single person retail insurance shops that just started up last week. Uh, we run the gambit of everyone in between there. Um, and we focus a lot on, you know, issues impacting our industry specifically, but I particularly like to bring in people from outside the industry because the cross-pollination of ideas is very important to me and in, in my own development. So I like to share mm-hmm. that with the audience. So I was uh I became familiar with your work through James's show, and then right. started listening to to your podcast, and then started listening and uh, to some of the other shows that you've been on. And the group of people that you seem to hang with, your dark web buddies, are <laughs> some right. of my favorite thinkers. You know, <laughs> it, it, you know, in our in in you know in the world today, I guess. And, yeah. Um, and I've just, I was, I guess, as a broad sweeping stroke, what I'm most interested in. I have a whole shit ton of random notes that I want to walk through, but um, or questions, I guess, topics. I, I really enjoy how you wrap your brain around a thought. And in particular, that series of four episodes that you did with James, where you were talking through, um, the origin of the big bang and the theories that made sense, the theories that didn't make sense, why they didn't, you know, all, all, all that kind of stuff. And, and by make sense, you know, I mean, varying degrees of where you, both personally or the scientific community fell on them. Um, I was intrigued by 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 some of these things. What, you know, this idea of, of which one is the truth and what does the truth mean and how do we get there and how do we examine it? And yeah. I guess my first question for you in this very long and probably technically terrible first question um, <laughs> is, what is it about you that you look at the world this way? Like not everyone does very few people examine things or are willing to examine them from as many angles as you seem to be willing to do Mm. where does that come from
1: well you know for me i truly believe that if you don't examine the biggest questions then you're kind of wasting this most precious gift that will soon be over your job is you know to be an expert in minimizing risk and reducing rogue wave impacts and so forth. But I, my feeling is if I can have that insurance in place, literally, figuratively, et cetera, then I should take those risks. In other words, if you if you just think about insuring your life or insuring against certain op- occupational hazards, for example, as I have to, um, if you only think about that, then you're not actually taking full advantage. You're sort of like wasting it. It's not to say, you know, because I have car insurance, I drive recklessly, but I leave my house. You know, what's the safest way to operate your car? Leave it in the garage. But obviously that's not a, that's not a really full life. And so for me, I want to answer all these questions because there's a hundred percent chance there's nothing you or anyone else from, from you to Patrick bet David, who's been on my show as well. It's probably a competitor of yours. I don't know. I'm joking, but there's nothing you guys can do to prevent the ultimate destination. We're all born to die. So we must make use of the time we have to live. And to me, living is nothing if you don't ask questions with deep and passionate curiosity. And it sounds like you really resonate with that. So uh, I'm, very, I'm very appreciative of people who think the way that you do, because actually it turns out right, most of my colleagues don't think this way. Most of my colleagues see it as a job unfortunately, and don't approach it with the passion, with the curiosity, with the intensity that lay people such as yourself or, or our mutual friend James Altucher approach it.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with you. And I think that certainly uh, that certainly transcends the academic or or the scientific community. You know, I think, you know, I've said this many times, um, the people who listen to this show in particular are who who continue to listen are Ask bigger questions, not just about our space, but about but about our our entire lives. And the people that don't listen to the show are the people that show up every day. And it's just a thing that you do. And you know, really, you're kind of just waiting to be told. What's the next, you know, what should I do today? Just someone tell me what to do because God forbid I got to crack into like the next percentage of consciousness in my brain. Like, you know, what if I had to turn on like 2% of my brain today, that would be awful. You know? And then I, then, then what if I made the wrong decision and people would judge me and then on down this spiraling path of, of awfulness that, um, feels like it's, it's manifesting in its worst variety today in our, in our society. Um, you know, but so, so one of the things that I found, so, okay. So I I have a whole, this is going to be as random as, as a thing. Cause I've, I listened to, you know, in, in prepping and, and just getting in, in involved in your content. Like I said, I, I came into it. What was that about a month and a half ago, maybe three months ago. I yeah. did yeah, that started last,
1: last fall. That's right.
0: Yeah. And that really kind of like, so maybe four months ago, whatever that grabbed me. And then that kind of got me into your space. And then Um, I, you know, I, I heard you in, I listened to your interview with Eric Weinstein, who I love. I listen you know, um, uh, uh, you on Shapiro. And I I have a couple things from that here. This is a random question about your interview with Shapiro. What, what was it like when he's in mid sentence speaking to you? And then all of a sudden he turns and does a promo, like (laughs) right over your shoulder. (laughs) Are you like trying as hard as you
1: can not to make faces at him? It's pretty funny because they don't know what the ads are. I don't know if you do this on your podcast. I just started doing, you know, dynamic ad insertion. Well, they have fixed ads, so they just, you know, they somebody purchases ads. This is the Ben Shapiro Sunday Special, which I was on about a year uh, or so ago, year and a half ago now, and uh, and then he doesn't know what the ad will be. So he goes, uh, but to hear the answer to that, you'll have to come back. And now a word from our our sponsor and then it's like and he just sits there something he goes rolling fake sponsor now and and he just (laughs) it's like he doesn't know what what the ad's gonna be it could be for like you know erectile dysfunction uh menopause products or you know hair plugs or or whatever he gets the big money for Um, i'm just getting you know simple simple requests for for uh you know kind of um organic organic coffee filters or something uh yeah you know, and i shouldn't disparage it i'm actually i'm actually going to be doing some ads for linkedin if you can imagine that oh, uh, so one. yeah yeah you know these are in the middle middle of the uh, of the episode people can fast forward if they don't like it uh but the funny thing is like you can't advertise for our competition i'm like is there a competition? Like, <laughs> you guys yeah, are worried does about linkedin
0: comp- compete against
1: And exactly right. But then I started thinking, look, you may wonder, who does Brian Keating compete against? I'm an astrophysicist. I'm looking for cosmic origins. I'm looking for the composition of the universe, the structure. of Who could compete with me? But there are more people floating above your head right now on the International Space Station than there are cosmologists who have won the Nobel Prize in physics, which is the ultimate accolade in what I do. Uh, There are more people in the NBA that even do uh, the kind of astronomy that I do, broadly speaking. That are professors at research universities, as I am at the University of California, San Diego. So, from that perspective, there is competition on all realms, and it's and it's kind of foolish to to uh, you know kind of maintain that we're all in this together. We're not all in this together, uh, even in things like you know podcasting. You know, there's you know, Ben Shapiro has a different audience, but every minute that your audience is listening to Ben Shapiro or me on the Into the Impossible podcast is a minute that you know unless they split their earbuds up, as I have. Uh, They can't listen to to your podcast, right? And so, Mm -hmm. you know, from that perspective, life is a zero-sum game. But what what worries me is when people see science as a zero-sum game, science is actually not a zero-sum game. There's competition in it, but that's kind of a byproduct of what, uh, you know, James and I have talked about, you know, kind of the the nature of finite games versus infinite games. So finite game is is usually like a zero-sum game Mm -hmm. where there's, you know, a winner and a loser. I guess you could tie in certain things like chess, Uh, but on the same token, there are infinite games and science is an infinite game. You can't win science. You can't win business. You can't win podcasting. Uh, So these are all skills that I find very much in harmony with one another because you can't win them and because the game goes on forever. You ever read a book? I hope that, you know, you you get a chance someday to read my book, losing the Nobel prize. Mm -hmm. And I hope that when people come to the end of it, you know, they kind of don't want it to end. I, I had that experience with many books in my life from Moby Dick to, to uh, On the Road by Jack Kerouac and, and, and other books like that that just, I wish I didn't read them because then I could have the pleasure of reading them for the first time. I hope that's the case for this, but science is like always like that, Ryan. It never ends. There's no winning science. There's no ending science. And so therefore I, I really love what I get to do. And it's kind of the most ambitious thing for me personally that I could do, and I want to share that appreciation with others because so many scientists keep their discoveries to themselves and hoard it. And I feel like that is not only, you know, kind of a, a dysfunctional way to behave. I actually think it's immoral. And, and I could talk more about that if you want. Yeah. Oh,
0: so so there, there's a few things in there. Um, it feels like it's not a – it's an infinite game or, yeah, an, uh, uh, an infinite game until – um, until someone figures out time travel and then they can just go back and take out all their competition and then they win, you know? So that's basically until <laughs> that of point. Some my guests have
1: is- talked about that. Some of my guests from, uh, I've had nine Nobel Prize winners on my show. Uh, I've had a couple of aspiring Nobel Prize winners. One who even talked about the possibility of humans going into wormholes. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a member of the Institute for Advanced Study. Uh, obviously our mutual, you know, kind of um, uh, mentor in some sense, Eric Weinstein thinks about these things very deeply. He's due any day now to come out with his, uh, uh, his dropping of his publication on Geometric Unity, which he promised me on my show uh, on New Year's Eve, he would release by April 1st, which is coming up soon. I hope it wasn't a joke, but yeah, you're right. Time travel would be kind of the ultimate, uh, as I told James Altucher when he was on my show, that's the ultimate in skipping the line. You know, Lines are one dimensional curves uh, in space and time. But there's nothing that says you can't take the, the other dimension and go into another dimension, the second dimension, third dimension, fifth dimension, and bypass the line altogether.
0: Yeah. I, um, it, it, you know, <laughs> I was a scientist until thermodynamics. And then I decided <laughs> that I wasn't smart enough to be, well, let me just put my priorities were not aligned enough to be a scientist. I, I was right. I, I was, I said that I can't remember who I was talking to the other day about it. And they were like, you know, what did you? go to school for and I I ended up getting a math degree but um the only reason I got that was I I I got to a certain point I was like nope thermodynamics is beyond me and I I can either chase chase women drink beers and I played baseball in college or I can continue on this science path that I'm on and I I chose (laughs) I chose the liberal arts version of that path (laughs) let's just put it right um (laughs) so you know one of the things that um I guess this, I would like to go back to, to your thought on the pursuit of big ideas, of, its, mm-hmm. of big ideas uh, are a worthy pursuit. And yes. um, what I hear a lot uh, is, I feel like people often question whether they're worthy of approaching big ideas, right? I, I see it even in my own industry, which is, which is a, a relatively, like you know, benign example compared to the things that you're studying in terms of, uh, you know, growing a business or 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 selling someone something. But they, we tend to minimize or or uh, question whether we're the ones that could that could attack that attack that mm. big idea. Y- mm-hmm. You seem to, at least from from what I've heard, either overcome that sensation or you never had it. Um, which is it and, and maybe what, how could you help someone or, or, or what allows you to open yourself up to approaching those big ideas?
1: Yeah, those are really good questions. And, you know, I can't say that I've fully overcome them. I think that the, uh, the only question that is a bad question is when you don't ask, I think to have questions, uh, early is great in life when you're young and you're still young and you know I do this with my kids. I'm blessed to have children <clears throat> and I'm blessed to have graduate students and undergraduates and postdocs that work for me and with me. Uh, and I'm blessed to have mentors. And, and those are the people that made me who I am. You know, I just talked to my PhD thesis advisor on my podcast last week for an episode I'll probably put out on Father's Day because he is kind of like a father to me. I mean, he's not that much older than me, but um, you know, maybe he's like a young cool uncle. Uh, this is Professor Peter Timby of the University of Wisconsin. And uh, Peter was my mentor in graduate school and uh, got my PhD with him. And I look at him like a father. Last year I had on Jim Simons, uh, who is the, you know, world's smartest billionaire and the. Uh, Top twenty wealthiest people in America, and a scientist of great renown, and a philanthropist of amazing accomplishment, and I had him on my podcast on Father's Day because he's also been a mentor to me, a father figure. You know, so here's a billionaire on one side, and then here's a public university school teacher. You know, couldn't be more different in many ways. Uh, one comes from a Judeo you know, background like I do. One is not uh, like my 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 mentor. And it just goes to show that there is a meaning in the word scientist in the Russian language. It tra- and I, I know you know Russian fluently, right? So I'm, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna uh, say that this is news to you. But the word uh, scientist in Russian means someone who was taught. It means a per- probably a man who was taught, uh, but that doesn't matter. I've got you know half my students are, are women and half my mentors are women. Uh, so the point is, you have to be taught to be a scientist. That means if you want to be a scientist, you have to teach. So obviously you, you, go, you, you start at a point where you know nothing compared to your teacher, and you hopefully move up the ladder. And that's part of you know James's philosophy that I really resonate with, uh, is that you need someone who's above you in terms of intellect or where you wanna go in your career, or, or it could be in your hobby chess, in, uh, in podcasting. I'm looking for mentors. These are people, you know, don't even have bachelor's degrees and I'm learning from them mm-hmm. uh, about how to, how to grow my YouTube channel, how to grow my, and I feel like it is a game and it's an infinite game too. And then you need somebody who's your equal, someone that you can kind of sharpen each other's minds with. And then someone who's, who's uh, at a level, you know, uh, underneath you in the literal, in the figurative sense that you can teach because only through teaching, do you become a scientist? Do you become a a a conveyor of this wonderful awesome branch of knowledge that we call the scientific tradition so from all those perspectives i do believe that i have to be humble but i am a good teacher because i was a good student my motto of my youtube channel is i'm creating the university that you wish you went to that has no tuition that you can go to school in your pajamas and (laughs) and you uh and you get graded on a curve so yeah, you know, from my perspective, what I really want to do is bring together this multiverse of minds and assemble. Now, thanks to technology, we can do it. There's no excuse not to do it, and so I'm trying to do it. Do
0: you feel like your openness and candor to these ideas on a platform like YouTube is inspiring others? And I know there are others, but is is helping to exp- inspire and build more nodes in 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 the sharing of these concepts and ideas and break down some of the barriers in 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 uh, the scientific and academic space I, where, where where people hoard information. Do you, do you see that?
1: Absolutely, yeah. No, I, I, and it's not just because of me. I mean, it's because of this technology. It's because of the guests that I get on my show. I've had on, you know, people from Ben Shapiro to Noam Chomsky, you know, as opposite as they could possibly be yeah. ideologically. And then I've had on people, you know, from, uh, from Nobel Prize winners to graduate students. I've had on, uh, you know, a woman in you know, from Egypt, who's like a devout Muslim. And here I am a practicing Jew. And and we have just the most wonderful conversations. And and I get emails and, and, you know, comments, I can't respond to all of them. But you know, how much it's helped them, how it's gotten them through difficult times, from people saying they want to be, you know, my unpaid intern, some say they would uh, pay me to be their, their mentor. And so those rates start at $860 an hour. Um, I'm happy to charge. But no, I don't charge, but, but, you know, and, and I'm building up Just this. toss this your community. Venmo
0: name out at the end and I'm sure you'll get some. To it's it.
1: in, I got my Patreon. <laughs> I got some patrons out there. Thank you all. Uh, but the, but the important thing for me to, to realize is that, You know, it's kind of leveraging, you know, I'm doing the hard work, I'm reading all the books, I'm I'm following up on research, I'm animating their, their work, you know, we put hours and hours of work into each video on YouTube and each audio episode on iTunes and elsewhere. And that, uh, that hopefully shows, you know, we're, 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 we're doing what we can to pay back the world, you know, pay back the United States taxpayer, you know, pay back you and your customers and clients, et cetera. You guys pay your taxes in part, you're supporting my dream. So why should I not give back? If I don't give back, if I don't put out as 99% of my colleagues don't sadly. Uh, and so, uh, and I'll, let me put a pin in that for one second. Let me just say, if I don't do that, if I don't pay it back, I feel like I am not living up to the meaning of the word scientist on one hand. I feel like I'm a mooch off society. On the other hand, I feel like I'm a taker and I feel it's immoral to do that. Personally, immoral. Now, what other people feel they can do that's besides the point. Like, I'm not joining the Army. I'm wearing my buddy's shirt uh, that he he got in Afghanistan uh, when he was serving his third tour of duty in uh, special forces. Uh, I didn't have the courage, bravery to do that. So, but, you know, but it I doesn't take much courage to put out a video about, you know, reality featuring Don Hoffman of the University of California. I just have to read his book, ask him some good questions.
0: It doesn't, it doesn't. Of, it, it doesn't.
1: It does and it doesn't, but, it, but, you know, look, I have tenure. I, I have a certain amount of privilege, as the kids say, uh, in many ways. And, and I am you know blessed and I'm not gonna make apologies for it, but what I am gonna do is take advantage of it. So mm-hmm. I have tenure. I'm the Chancellor's Distinguished Professor of Physics at UC San Diego. I can you know do pretty much any form of research that I want. I involve people from all races, creeds, colors, genders, whatever, and everything I do. And I like it because I get exposed to the most diverse and, and interesting opinions. And if life is not interesting, it's meaningless. So from that perspective, I'm, I'm doing what I can do. It doesn't take much courage. Now, put, coming back to that pin that I said that, you know, everybody should do some outreach. I do believe that. I do believe that if you're getting government money, uh, as we all are, I, especially because I work at a state university, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an employee of, of Gavin Newsom, you know, at some level at the state, unit you know, at this university of California. And I'm honored and privileged to be here. Now, I'm not going to get, you know, uh, win you know extra accolades or the Nobel Prize or something for doing the podcast, but by the same token, it's so much fun to share these ideas, creating those new neural nodes that you mentioned in your original question, and to me. If I can, there are very few ways to grow your brain, my friend, as you know, it's very difficult. You, you're in good shape physically, I can tell. I try my best, you know, I put on the COVID-90, as I said, no, no, uh, but, but, and I said, anyone who comes out of COVID with a six-pack, I'm going to beat down, so, you know, look out Eric Weinstein, uh, but, but the point is, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm growing my brain in one of the few ways that you can apply time, energy, and effort and get out something. And for me, that's like doing things in neuroscience, it's totally alien to me as a cosmologist uh, and trying to bring universal scientific, you know, uh, approaches to these great questions. So for me, it's as much self-interested as, as otherwise. But when I hear my colleagues say, oh, I'm not good at that, I'm not good at, at public speaking. I've, I've had kids, not kids, I've had students in my lab that came from Thailand, from China, from Uganda these people didn't speak English as their native language. And it showed or it sounded however you want to say it. But guess what? They're brilliant people. They took the effort. I paid for them to go to Toastmasters to learn how to speak. I don't care what it is. If you can learn quantum field theory in 10 dimensions, Ryan, and you say it's too hard for you to learn how to do a YouTube video, I think that's sad. I do. And I think it's dishonest. I I think to say that I'm not saying everyone needs to be uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, you know, who's one of my heroes, Uh, but on the same token, you know, because he's not a scientist, he's not doing active scientific research and that's fine. He he admits and acknowledges as much, but if you're going to not take any effort because it's too hard, I think that's fraudulent because guess what? None of them, as brilliant as they are, as many Nobel prizes as they've won, perhaps they never were born knowing quantum field theory. They had to spend time, energy, effort and do the work. And that, if not done, I feel like it's somewhat fraudulent, if not immoral. And uh, you know, I'll probably get not invited to as many you know faculty club uh, dinner parties as, as possible. But you know what? Uh, I think it's worth it.
0: What's up, guys? Quick break here. Want to give a shout out to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Are you a local insurance agent struggling to find markets for your clients? Look no further than Nationwide Brokerage Solutions with over 200 carriers. Their comprehensive options. Give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. That's your need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business. Sorry, sometimes when you're reading these things, the way the words are written don't sound as good as they probably look. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information, go to Nationwide Brokerage Solutions. Visit nbsbrokerage.com on the reels guys rogue risk uses nationwide brokerage solutions we've been very very happy with them Hanley, out yeah i you know immoral or not it is certainly dishonest because it not being like you said I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're studying quantum field theory or you want to sell an auto policy or you're or you're working at Starbucks as a barista, you can learn how to communicate something you're passionate about. In the digital space, you you can certainly do that. That is, and frankly, out, out of all out of all the things we just mentioned, I'd much rather create a YouTube video than have to put someone's chai latte together when they're in a rush. You know, have you ever been <laughs> in that line? People are a holes. So oh
1: my God. you know the
0: pressure of, of that of the 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 amount of cinnamon that you put on top. God forbid. Um, <laughs> so you know, it, it's funny. Um, in, it, so I've been part of the insurance industry for 15 years. Every little boy's dream, right? To mm-hmm. be an yep. insurance agent. Just I couldn't, growing up, you know, I just want to hawk some home and autos, you know? Just, it sounds Not like everyone cheap. gets
1: to achieve their dreams.
0: Right? But it's funny. And this is something that, um, this is something, so I'm an enormous uh, fan of Jordan Peterson's. His mm-hmm. 12 rules for life uh, was a game changer for me. As an adult, I wish that I had found it earlier in my life, but, mm. uh, and then diving all the way back in his archive as far as I could, um, his, his um, breaking down Genesis, the, the his, that, that whatever it is, 18, 18 hours of YouTube videos, whatever it is, right. is, some, is some of the the best work in that area that I, that I've ever come across. It doesn't matter. Um, one of the things that I subscribe to is it's not- you become passionate about the things that you give passion to, that you give interest to, right? This whole concept of you, you know I'm I'm not passionate about this, so I'm going to underachieve and blame my lack of passion on the thing as a reason for underachieving is um, I think complete horseshit. And you know to, to, to the reason I asked the question about you know are are you helping create a node and more nodes uh, in in the sharing of your field is that in 2016, we had this happen in our industry. So, mm-hmm. uh, fat old white guys dominate insurance, just absolutely dominate insurance. <laughs> and, you know, broad sweeping stroke here. Uh, good thing I'm talking about white people, but, you know, not the most open to new ideas or technology, tend to, tend to enjoy the <laughs> fruits of, of the standard hierarchies that everyone is fighting so hard against today, and thus, what they did was they created these little fiefdoms and anytime they would figure something out, they would put a moat and they'd put sticks and they'd have fire arrows and murder holes and, you know, vats full of oil around those ideas uh, to protect them. And in 2016 um, uh, technology, YouTube podcasting um, absolutely broke those barriers down. And now we have people who operate in the same town sharing techniques for either helping serve customers better or prospecting customers in a way that um, you would have never seen. I mean, these are people who actually compete against each other head-to-head day-to-day and they're, they're having coffee and telling each other what they're doing. And, um, you know, not everyone, but, but as a widespread, it's, it's the, the cultural barrier has been pretty much taken down. Um, mm-hmm. And the organizations that aren't open to sharing are, are, act- are actually failing today. And um, mm-hmm. I, my hope is, and, and I've heard, you know, I heard you talk about on James's show and, and some of the others that I, that I listened to you on and even your own. And my hope for your field is that, um, is that it, that will come down for you as well because we need it to. Um, yeah. The things that you're talking about, you know, I, I know as much about quantum theory as you and Eric Weinstein have shared on podcasts. So that's the depth of my understanding. But to that extent, And, and, and the concepts and the way that you start to look at it and the questions that it brings up, particularly about uh, the impact of science on religion, on society, on how we treat each other, on how, when you start thinking about the origin of the big bang, it feels really hard to be a racist. Like, (laughs) it's like, when did, when did, you know what I mean? Like, when did the, when did all this start? Are we alone? How did we get here? You know, you know, and then I'm going to like worry about you know, what someone's religion is or skin color. So I think it's important that these ideas spread because they, they make us they make hopefully make us humble enough to not care so much about some of these physical, more shallow issues that I think we're dealing with.
1: Yeah, that's right. I, I do believe that, you know, to have a, uh, you know, an element of, you know, ignorance about the, you know, the history of science and, and its potential, um, impact and harm that it caused on many different communities uh, is, is almost as bad as being ignorant of the benefits of having a true safe space, a space that is politics free, that you don't have to think about someone's skin color or, or, or sexual orientation when you're ascertaining their papers uh, or, or you're thinking about their ideas or seeing them on YouTube. Look, you know you, I might not be able to get you know something published in the preeminent journal Nature. You know, maybe I'm not smart enough, or can't, you know, don't have the connections, or whatever. And and that's true. But um, but I can make a YouTube channel that has twenty three thousand, you know, uh, rabid subscribers, and and that's totally technology is totally uh, democratized and flattened in a good word, lowercase d, obviously. Um, the uh, the playing field for creators, for thought leader, you know, for people that want to contribute, and allows you to do that other thing that James advocates for, which is to skip the line uh, and that's not only skip the line but to choose yourself when you skip the line. Now you're still subject in academia to all sorts of hurdles that you can' skip the line and that's actually the origin of this multi-10 part series that James and I are doing where we're jokingly trying to get him a PhD in physics because I said you know in my field you first have to get selected to go to college um, you have you know to get to college you have to do well in high school so there's gatekeeping in high school, then you're graduate, not your graduate, your, um, your guidance counselor has to you know, provide you letters of recommendation. Then you go to college and you go to graduate school, you have to get letters from professors. Then for graduate school, you have to get a postdoc, then you get a postdoc, get a faculty job. And all these things, right? You mentioned baseball, you play baseball. Um, you know, when I, when I think about how many people are doing what I do, again, it's like, it's like the square root of the number of people in the, in, in the MLB. But, but what happens right before the MLB is triple A baseball in academia is called being a postdoctoral fellow or scholar. So after your PhD, before you become a professor, and that I don't know, you know, how likely it is in baseball to get into triple A ball. I imagine it's pretty damn hard. Uh, but to get a postdoc position, it's it's almost easy. You know, it's it's almost like almost anybody who wants one. I've never had a student who wanted to be a postdoc, in other words, didn't want to go into industry. Didn't want to take your follow your footsteps and go into the insurance industry, you know, that despite their parents' depression over them not following in, in Ryan's footsteps. But yeah. um, but nevertheless, they could always get a postdoc. But then imagine like it's easy to get into triple ball, and then it's impossible, as impossible as it is now to get into MLB. That would be a weird kind of industry to be in. And yet that's my industry. It's easy to get into the analog of AAA, it's impossible to get to the majors. So You know, I I feel it both my duty and my late, lately I've been saying a a lot like this, and it's related to a Prager University video that I did uh, that's coming out in April. And it's about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And following in my uh, hero, Jocko Willing's footsteps, another San Diegan, uh, he he said, you know, discipline equals freedom. My, you know, video is like knowledge is not equal to wisdom. In that science, the word science means knowledge. It doesn't mean wisdom. And wisdom is, requires knowledge, but knowledge is not sufficient. We all know people and I can name dozens of them who I wouldn't trust, you know, with my kids in the backseat of their car, you know, because I don't think they're wise enough to drive, even though they're the most brilliant people in the world, some of them have Nobel prizes. Uh, And so knowledge and wisdom are very different things. And it's, it's almost easier to get, you know, even the notion of knowledge is easy to attain versus wisdom as impossible to attain. Almost exactly that same analogy I made with MLB versus AAA in the following sense. We can have a computer that has great deal of knowledge. Wikipedia has way more knowledge, even about physics, even about cosmology, I'll ever have instant recall, processing, working memory, uh, connectivity, nodes galore. And in fact, that's how we make artificial intelligence. We have machine learning algorithms that scour the web, this includes GPT-3, I'm working a little bit with that, experimenting with it, as James would admonish me to do. So I'm doing all these things. Now I'm thinking, I don't care so much about artificial intelligence. If, you know, next year they're going to have a computer instead of GPT-3, which knows uh, what 10% of the content of the World Wide Web is. In two years, we'll have something that has 20%, uh, you know, just following Moore's law. So in two years, it'll have surpassed everything GPT-3 did, let's call it GPT-4, will do everything that GPT-3 did and, and doubled it. So the sum total of all human knowledge doubled uh, will be available. Now, is, does that mean it'll be any more wise? I don't think so. I don't think making somebody you know twice as intelligent gives them twice as much wisdom. So I care about artificial wisdom and I'm on a mission to see, is that even possible to attain? Because it's certainly not by modeling the human brain, Uh, It it kind of requires a different kind of co-processor that is uniquely represented by human beings. And that is part of the gift that I spoke about in answer to your very first question. We have this knowledge. In fact, the word homo sapien means, you know, man that knows, he knows. It's really homo sapien sapien. And sapien is Latin for wisdom. So it's like, we are wise. We know, we understand that we are going to die say what you want about reality, say what you want about about animals being conscious, certainly they feel pain, et cetera, but but are they conscious? Do they know what reality is? Are they aware of their own death? Certainly not. So we are aware of it. We must protect against it. We must buy policies from Ryan, left and right, to ensure those left behind uh, are taken care of. I actually feel that is a moral obligation in all seriousness. Mm -hmm. I am reading a book by um, a friend and colleague, Sarah Seeger, at MIT called the smallest lights in the universe. She'll be on my show soon. Um, and uh, she writes about losing her father and her husband, you know, as a 40 year old new professor, unbelievable pain thinking about that. And that, you know, I couldn't help but think like, I hope that they had some life insurance, you know, I hope they had something, some way to protect themselves and their kids. And, and so, but anyway, let's not get into that. But if you don't suck the marrow out of life, then I think, you know, you don't, You know, you don't need kind of a wisdom insurance policy because you're not really making use of it. You're just passing the time. And guess what? Animals pass the time much better than humans. They have a ton more fun than we do. They're not subject to any laws. They can do whatever they want. Uh, You know, maybe some of them get eaten. Uh, But but the point is, you know, they don't have the awareness that we're given. That's a gift. But like every gift, it comes with responsibilities.
0: Wisdom is knowledge plus experience mashed up with a few other things
1: wisdom is 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 a lot of things it's learning from others it's it's um it's being a historian it's understanding your place in in the timeline of the universe when we talk about uh physics we talk about things called light cones light like the speed of light and cones looking like a cone and if you think about it the only signals that can get to you, the only information you can get has traveled at most at the speed of light and it's reached your perception, you know, after traveling from the event that created it, say it's the screen in front of you, it's, it's traveled one foot between your, your eyes and the screen in one nanosecond. So you're actually seeing the past when you see me. And it's even worse than that because you're in New York, I'm in California. We're almost as far apart as possible, and that's by design because we can't stand it. No, no, we love each other. But, but the point is, uh, there's a delay in that. You know, how many feet are there in the United States? You know, there's the only, there's uh, two thousand nine hundred miles between us, so that's roughly you know uh, one one hundredth of the uh, of of the distance light travels in a second. So it's one uh, uh, 10 milliseconds, something like that. You can start putting all these things together, and you're only able to see what's going to happen at a certain distance away from you. You can't see infinitely far back, but you can see back further in time than your eyes can perceive if you understand history. And that's part of why I wrote my book because book is a way to store wisdom and knowledge as well. And my experiences and other people's experiences, I have all these dead mentors ranging from you know Aristotle, Plato, Galileo, Newton, uh, Emmy Noether, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Jane Goodall influenced me a great deal. Isaac Asimov influenced me a great deal. Um, and putting those all together. And then you have these living embodiments, people that you can talk to, modern day philosophers like James Altucher, like Eric Weinstein, uh, like, you know, Sarah Seeger, I just mentioned all these people that I get to talk to and synthesizing their experiences. Look, I hope to God, I already lost my father, so I don't have to lose my father again. Uh, but, but, you know, uh, thank God, you know, there, there's pain that, that I have been spared. And I hope I'm, I'm forever spared that because I don't know if I could handle it with the strength that she did. Um, so how do I learn from that? She's a scientist at the top level. I want to synthesize it. If you can only relate to somebody, getting back to your question about racism and diversity, if you can only appreciate something, if you are of, a, of that exact same racial, ethnic, sexual, gender orientation, then it's hopeless. It's absolutely hopeless because then I have nothing to teach you unless you're me. And I even have young twins, and they're as different as humanly possible. Mm-hmm. They're completely different; you wouldn't even know that they're twins. They don't look like each other, and they're they spent nine months together in a enclosed environment that would make give me claustrophobia. Yeah. They're totally different. We're all different, and that's what makes us so beautiful, as Philip Morrison said. You know, more is not better. More is different. More is wonderful. Difference is wonderful. If we, if you are discriminatory, and I know that you're not, I'm just saying, if somebody is they're the biggest effing idiots i'm not going to curse but i feel like racist and, and so they're the dumbest human beings that could possibly exist because they think something so trivial is meaningful and what i worry about is that people obsessing about that trying to eradicate it which will never ever happen um you know is kind of undoing the uh, trying to undo the basic human human project which is that those people are punished they are punished their lives are impoverished their, their their mental midgets for whatever you know. I probably shouldn't say that either. But but the point is, their punishment is their their ignoramuses, and they will be forever cursed, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, that's our our current our current environment. I'll say uh, certainly the one in which the story is being told. I mean, living in New York, just think about what happened with Cuomo, right? With 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 how. Um, he wrote a book about solving the pandemic in August. <laughs> Come to find out he was lying the whole time. I can tell you firsthand he didn't solve anything. I lived here. And you know, on and on and on <laughs> it goes. My yeah. my point, and I think you you hit it on the head. And and this goes for for all the things that we're fighting about today, not just racism or whatever, but in general that we're fighting about and why I wish we, you know, and again, this is this I'm I'm pandering. Uh, to your immense intellect at this point, um, but why I wish that we spend more time on some of these bigger issues and, and the brain power and the energy uh, on on issues that, like you're talking about, instead of, I, I, I am a firm believer in the the high level Darwinistic idea of survival of the fittest,
1: mm.
0: and if you are using and if you're making decisions based on these shallow shallow topics in that we shouldn't they shouldn't even be topics though I do know they still exist and so I don't want to diminish them as a whole that's that's not what I'm trying to say but if this is how you're making your decisions you Mm -hmm. are going to get cut out of the herd that was happening I felt like that was happening in general like I felt like we'd solve this problem you'd meet someone and they'd say something you kind of look at them and you'd be like you you stay over here I'm I, I see you, but I, you know I'm not really into that. That seems ridiculous. So, yeah. you, know, you just hang out over there by yourself, and those people were getting cut out. And then all of a sudden, it was like, wait, no, no, everyone is like that. And you're like, ah, <laughs> what? <laughs> what, what, what? What are we talking about? And my only reason for for even bringing up that topic is I feel like that it it dumbs us down in general. And I and there's a lot of things, not not just. Again, not the idea of racism because I do know it exists, and it is a problem mm-hmm. that I, I don't want to, to exist because as, as, as a purely capitalistic person, right, mm-hmm. I believe in capitalism yeah. and, and everything that yeah. comes from it, the good and the bad, and yeah. um, as a capitalist, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to hire someone who, who's going to give you half the production because they're a certain skin color or they're a certain religion. Like, that would be a yeah. stupid friggin' idea. Like, if you want to grow exactly. your business, you need more talented people.
1: So, and same thing with the, you know, I've had this conversation with Jim Gates, who's the father of string theory, supersymmetry theory, first black PhD from MIT, um, and, uh, and the president of the American Physical Society. He is an amazing intellect. And he, you know, he has made these statements to me that, that um, it punishes the, the racist. You know, in other words, their lives are living hells. To think that that is significant is is one of the most uh, asinine things. It's almost not even worth discussing, except that there's been such a backlash to it that we now have to be very, very, you know, um, very, very alert to it to to avoid you know this cancellation culture where you know there's there's something that somebody might have said in in, in physics uh, and then you know but but then outside of physics you know they might be outspoken or whatever. I, I feel like you know it's 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 a little bit. Uh, it's kind of like a tax, and I, I agree that. And I had this this conversation with with many scientists um, of of different colors, races, whatever, uh, and they they've said, you know, for for say African, they do pay a tax. They pay a tax that I don't have to pay, uh, uh, you know. But on the other hand, they are, you know, they 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 love the the science that they do, and and that I think things are changing. You know, it's like twenty years ago we uh, we had you know one female faculty member when I started at UCSD in my group. now it's like half my group are, are female professors. That's wonderful I mean, if you like, there've been studies, people on the right who I criticize just as much to the left, I always mm-hmm. say, you know, there's no Republican constellation. There's no democratic comet. You know, astronomy is for everybody, yep. but you know, people on the right say, oh, you know, diversity, it's just, a... and I say, no, There are actual studies. I mean, as opposed to like implicit assessment tests and things that have been shown to be completely useless scientifically, there are scientific studies that show if you have a racially diverse jury, you will get on average better outcomes. Now, why wouldn't you want, like, why would you actively work to do not that in science, you know, have a less diverse? So now we, we spend a lot of time on it. It's just frustrating to me, Ryan, because I have, you know, some of my, uh, you know, kind of deepest hope. And I've worked with the National Society of Black Physicists. I'm actually an honorary member uh, of that uh, amazing organization. I've spoken at their galas. I'm a contributor to them. And my my, my feeling is is that I want I want physics to be. To, be, to recognize that that we succeed when we do welcome this diverse perspective, but not necessarily diversity for its own sake, but to be welcoming, to have a safe space yes. for it, also means not to talk about the politics so much. I have so many conversations like, I don't want to talk about politics. It's I want like, to talk about science. I don't have time. Like, am I going to solve it? Get, yeah, am I going to you know, solve race yeah. relations as a, as a freaking astrophysicist? No. But can I give a summer internship program opportunity to a brilliant physicist who happens to be black when she is at a historically black college, freaking yeah, And we I did agree. just that with the Simons Observatory. And so that's what I'll do. and I'll do that and I'm gonna stick my nose out to do as much of that as possible and as little in politics as possible. and'm I'm, I'm afraid, Ryan, I gotta run. yeah, but um, I'd love to I'd love to uh, chat again maybe uh, in the spring as these different videos and productions come out. Yep. And I, I really appreciate talking to you, my friend. Yeah.
0: I just I just want to say thanks, man. This went a whole bunch of places. I know <laughs> in the in the world of interviewing, you're supposed to stay on target, but I just uh I, I appreciate you. I appreciate the way you think, sharing your mind. And and I my hope for this interview is that everyone who's listening find a way to inject yourself into, into what Brian's doing, whether it's his book, the podcast is tremendous. Uh, look into to the other shows that you've been on, Ben's show, James's show. Um, I think just having your thought process, the way that you think through things, the way you talk through things is going to help people uh, regardless of what your space you're in and, and what you're trying to do day to day. So thanks, man. I really, I really
1: appreciate that. Congratulations on all your success too, my friend. It's, yeah. it's really impressive. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Take care. Bye. Well, Bye. <laughs>